If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. Everyone knows that some of the most incredible, exciting products、uh, of the last 15 years have come out of Apple. We obviously know who runs Apple, but we don't always know everyone important at Apple. And we have a super important, super interesting person、uh, from Apple this morning, Jeff Williams, who is. The man behind the Apple Watch, among other things. So let's bring out Jeff Williams. Jeff. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for putting me on after a magician. Yeah.、Um, what is your first magic trick you're going to do this morning? <laughs> Um, I got nothing. You got nothing, okay. So, my first question is why can't I get holograms on my Apple Watch? I want holograms. I think there's some Oculus guys in the back. Maybe that question was for them, huh? No, it was for you. I mean, because you have more money than they do. <laughs> We're working on it. You're working on it? Yeah, that's you heard it. So, that's the first headline holograms on the Apple Watch. How is the Apple Watch doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. By what metric? Really, by the most important one, and that is customers love the Apple Watch more so, more so than I ever thought.、Um, and, I, and I say that because when you think about it. You thought of, they were going to hate it? No, I just thought it was. Let's do this product people will hate. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought it was going to take a little bit of time because, you know, for, millennials don't, don't use watches,、uh, they don't wear watches. And, A lot of people, you, we, entered with a space, we entered a space that the products hadn't been great, and people were saying, Look, what, what can I really do on this thing that I can't do on the phone? But the reality is, the experience is much more subtle than customers are getting it. People love the watch, they love the utility of it. I mean, a common refrain is that the watch is actually liberating.、Um, you know, I get,、uh, I get emails from the mother who, who says, Admittedly, I bought the watch. Because it would be a fashion thing. And I, I teach my kid every night. I do homework with my kid. And the other day he said, Mom, thanks for paying attention to me and not having your phone on the table.、Uh, and allowed her to be more present. Or you know, an email from a dentist who says, Excuse me, 
Jeff, there's a text here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's way better than, excuse me, let me pull the phone out of the pocket, because you can quickly dispose of things. You know, I mentioned a dentist that sent an email who said, I'm, I'm actually better now because when I'm working on a patient and the phone buzzes in my pocket, I don't have anxiety and my thoughts don't go there because I can quickly dismiss things. So I think people love it and uh, we're having a blast. Okay, so how many have you sold? A lot, but not enough. We need to, we need to get it's more. It's never enough for you, is it? it, it never, never enough. No, never but how enough. many have you sold? Yeah, obviously I can't give you that number. Well, I mean, is it a million? The only number I'll give you is that uh, demand divided by supply is greater than one. And so that's all I got for you all. It's a lot. Why, why did you not put out one of your classic traditional releases that says we crossed a million pre-orders in three days or whatever the number would be, whatever the big number would be? You do this all, you have done this all the time. Yeah, we, we, decided, we, we decided to do that right out of the, I mean, at the very beginning, we decided we weren't going to release uh, uh, data on the watch. We, we released maybe too much data today, and we didn't want to do that. Um, so wait, 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 let's go back. You're not secretive enough today? Is that your point of view? I think, I think we spend too much time work, uh, thinking about the numbers and spending time on that, and we'd rather spend time making great products. So why did you decide not to release any numbers on the watch? Um, you know, the decision was, uh, it's a new category, we'll see where it goes over time, and if it reaches the materiality uh, levels, maybe we'll change that, but that's, that was a decision. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about watches and wearables in general. I mean, it's early, very early days for you sure. on this product sure. still, and um, you have a lot of competitors, you, some of them are, are bringing out new models uh, right now, and or actually, I think one of them brought our new model right about when you were doing yours. Um, do you think this is this is uh, going to become a fundamental uh, place for people to interact and communicate and all that kind of stuff? I know you you have your product that you think does that, but do you think this is like the phone was or still is a long term long term thing? I do. I, I, think, I think there's great inevitability in technology moving uh, to your body. And we, we chose the wrist very carefully. Um, but, but yeah, I think there's historical precedent for this. Um, I see the usefulness. I mean, historical precedent, if you look at timekeeping, it started with the clock in town center. Think of mainframe computers. It moved to the grandfather clock in your home. Think of PCs. It moved to portable clocks, think of laptops, and then it moved to a pocket watch for quite a while. And it was you know, the, the beginning of last century when a, an aviator from South America asked his friend Cartier, he was flying his plane all the time and he was tired of reaching in and pulling out his, his pocket watch and he said, I'd like one on the wrist. And I, I think we're seeing uh, we're seeing the beginning. So the of that. iPhone is the pocket watch in that analogy. Yeah, but uh, but I think we're going to continue to sell a lot of pocket watches in that case. I think uh, I think there's a very different experience on the on the phone. Okay, but so but the wrist watch analogy, 
means you think this is going to become as ubiquitous as what wristwatches were? I, I do. I do. Based on the response we're getting, I, I do. Um, let's talk about apps. Um, there, right now on, on the watch, there are sort of two categories of apps and more than one way of describing these two categories. One is the ones that, that are kind of the core built-in apps like the fitness app and the text, the messaging app and all that kind of stuff. Those are uh, written by you guys, uh, and they're written specifically for the watch. Right. Then there are third-party apps. Right, right. Which uh, obviously vary widely. How many are there now? Over 4,000. Over 4,000. Um, they're really, uh, I mean, a lot of, in my experience and the and experience of others, uh, a lot of them are just, don't do a whole lot. They just seem like, small adjuncts, this isn't universal, some of them are do more, but a lot of them seem to be just small adjuncts of, of iPhone uh, apps. And I wrote in my review that it just seemed like developers weren't sure what to do yet, given the tools they had with this, this new device, this new form factor. You have another SDK coming out for the watch, right? Uh, we do. Can you talk about that and how it's different? Sure, sure. What kind um, of different apps might come out of it? You know, I think the third-party apps are going to get much better when developers can write code natively on the watch. Today it flows through the phone, as you know. And a week from Monday at our developers conference, we'll uh, release a preview so that developers can start writing code natively, have access to sensors and things like that. And I think that will dramatically open up the opportunities for them to make richer uh, apps. We're really excited about it. And, and the core apps that you wrote were written in that way. Maybe Certainly. Not, maybe not exactly in that developer's kit, but they were written for the watch. Well, we took, we took the learnings from our core apps and have taken that into the frameworks for the developer kit. So that's exactly what we've so done. So give me an example of what somebody might be able to do writing natively for the watch versus this, these very early days where we're seeing somebody has an iOS app they upgrade it, all of a sudden you have something on your watch that does you know, a small fraction of what the, I, the, the iPhone app does. If you're a, a fitness app, if you don't want to use ours, if you use another app, you'll have direct access to the sensors. I, I, like, I, I cycle on the weekends and I like Strava, and I think they do some, some really great stuff, and they'll have direct access to the, the sensors. You'll be able to, they'll be able to use the crown to do many different things. Today, they don't really have access to the digital crown. Uh, games, the games today are very, very limited. They run off of the phone, and now you could have a game that's really focused on the watch, that runs on the watch independently. So there's all kinds of opportunities. Okay. So, that, so if you're looking at the early stages of the watch, there will be a big bump in quality of apps, or there should be, based on this SDK roughly when, in the fall or the, the holiday? Well, we'll do the preview uh, a week from Monday. People will begin to work on it, and then, uh, much like we do with our iOS, a few months later, it will be released to the world, and so, yes. So apps will begin coming out in the fall, really. Correct. Probably these native apps. Um, who, who's your competition in this, watch, in this wrist space, in this watch space? I haven't really thought of, I think the competition is, is really us to continue to work on making this the best experience possible and 
we're really focused on that. I don't, I don't actually spend a lot of time checking other people's watches. Really, when you were developing this, you didn't, you personally didn't wear any of the Android watches or the Pebble or any of this stuff. I wore them for uh, short periods of time, but but lost interest. I just didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I, no, that's not a shot. It's more um, that really didn't help us figure out what we wanted to do. We we. When we were developing the watch, we approached it with a, a great deal of deference for all the things we didn't know. It was a real inquisitive thing. And I, I think just looking at existing wa watches or smart watches didn't, didn't really help us. We actually started this project well before the word smart watch or wearables was floating around. It started long ago. And, um, and so it's been a, it's been a process of continuing to learn and observe, and uh, it's been really exciting. Um, you are the Senior Vice President of Operations. Some people call you Tim Cook's Tim Cook. Does that bug you? Uh, you know, he's, he's a fantastic guy. I probably shouldn't be compared to him, but uh, I, I, I do run operations for the company. And what does that mean, just so people understand? It's, uh, it's supply chain, it's manufacturing. Uh, with Apple, it's a heavy dose of engineering. Uh, we, you know, in my organization, there's uh, almost 3,000 engineers that are working on trying to figure out how to do the things we do, because we're usually pushing the envelope on leading edge technologies. Uh, it's shipping all the the products to the customers, it's the, so it's the distribution logistics, it's all the service and support. Uh, later this year, peak holiday time, we'll have 45,000 people answering the phone uh, on behalf of Apple if you've got a question that not only need to do that in a high quality way, they need to represent Apple well, so it's that. It's the manufacturing. It's, it, I would say all of the things that any company that sells products does what makes it really different at Apple is is the scale, um, and uh, it's kind of hard to appreciate that. But take um, holiday quarter, we ship 74 million phones, and people 74 million is a number that I, I don't think the mind can process numbers above 100 or 1,000. They kind of get lost. But uh, and I'm not given to sensational analogies, but I'll give you one anyway. Uh, if you stacked all of the phones, you know how thin they are on iPhone 6, if you stacked them like pancakes, not only would they be taller than the tallest building, they would go up a few hundred miles such that they would be higher than the orbit of the International Space Station. So on its trajectory, it would this knock the This is the, the 74 over. million? This is the 74 million. So it just you to, sold in 90 days. In 90 days. Just to put it in context, so this group pulls together all the technology, produces all of those in a high quality way and then gets them to the right customers. So that's what the team does. Are you still, do, do you ever foresee a time when you won't be making these 74 million per quarter amazing devices in these kind of not so attractive working conditions in factories in China? Oh, I, well, I, well, I disagree with the premise. Um, I, I, I was there, I've been there. They did, it didn't yeah, look like I, a great I, place and I've work. spent a lot of time there, and, um, and I couldn't be prouder of the work the team is doing on making sure that people work there are treated fairly and 
uh, when you say not attractive, maybe maybe they're not as attractive as a building, but uh, but uh, there, there's there's some there's some really fantastic operations, and, and I feel great about the work we're doing in that space. Are people getting paid more than they were? People are continually getting paid more. Uh, every year, salaries are increasing. We pay more than the uh, the average rates in the area, but absolutely. And suicides and all of that kind of stuff. What's the current status of that? Well, there. I think you discussed that on stage several years ago. We did. Um, there haven't been very many suicides. The the suicide story when the suicides first surfaced, the story of a cluster of suicides at Han High is what you're you're referring to. Um, this this alarmed us, and Tim and I personally went to. China and uh, investigated the situation, and we learned a lot. And but one of the things we learned is they had nothing to do with working conditions. That's a that's a common refrain in the press, but it had nothing to do with that. And nobody would ever discuss it. Steve had the courage on this stage to actually mention statistics because you don't you don't ever want to talk about statistics. I remember on I a human subject. Sitting right here. But the reality is even in their big cluster of suicides, the statistics were um, a lower suicide rate than any place in the U.S. at their biggest cluster. So by that definition, it would be the happiest place on Earth. Now, there's a lot that we can learn and do better, and, and, and Foxconn did some amazing things on employee helplines, but we investigated each and every suicide, and they, they were not associated with working conditions. Okay. One of your other responsibilities, so you're running worldwide operations, right. you're running the Apple Watch, you were, you were the head of the development for the Apple Watch, right? Still are. Still am. Um, but one of the other things you do is this research kit program. Can you talk about that? I can. Explain uh, what it is and then talk about how it's going. So in March, we announced ResearchKit. It's a, it's a software framework to transform the way research is done. It, it uses the phone and mobile apps to solve many of the problems researchers have faced. The health, process, this is health research. This right? is medical research, specifically. Yeah. It, um, the process uses, there's been tremendous advances in medicine, but the process used for research is, hasn't really changed in decades and hasn't kept up with technologies. Uh, improvements and so we announced uh, a process and we did with we, we announced five apps that would initially go after various diseases and research and there are many more coming and we've already in short order uh, learned some amazing things I, I'll, I'll mention a couple just with the Parkinson's app we announced this app that would allow people to do various tests a walk test a tap test on the phone to understand severity of Parkinson's in response to things and the way it works is people signed up who have Parkinson's and they conduct these tests and they um, also have a, a group that signs up, like I'm a participant, who doesn't have Parkinson's as a control group. We're almost certain that a set of the people who signed up as the control group have Parkinson's and don't know it because we can see that from the from the data, which is really powerful. And now I, I need to put the disclaimer, this is not a diagnostic tool. We don't have regulatory approval for that. So we don't want people using it for that yet, but it's clear that it could go there. So a huge opportunity 
for the democratization of medicine here because millions of people are suffering with Parkinson's and a large portion of them are undiagnosed, especially in less developed countries. And, and, and they can do so for little cost with just a phone and, and an app. Um, another, the other observation is, is really uh, centered around personalized medicine. When we look at um, individuals' profiles, uh, there are people, one of the things you do is you record when you take your medicine and you do these tests two or three times a day and you'll see a case where someone is taking the medicine and the severity of their symptoms changes, the medicine's working, it's really powerful, you see it every single day. And you'll see another person where they're taking medication and they're getting no help from the medication. There's plenty of good reasons not to take the medication if it's not helping you, but one of the issues with neurodegenerative diseases is people self-medicate. They're trying to figure out what's working. They double dose. I'll take two pills. I'll take, and when they go see the doctor every six months, they don't have any data. And so this is really powerful stuff. So if all we got out of research kit were these two learnings on this app, it would have been worth it. But we're we're just beginning. There's all kinds of interesting stuff. And the other ones cover uh, what disease? We, we have heart, uh, heart health. We have breast cancer. This is geared towards people who have survived breast cancer, but uh, one of the challenges is chemo has some, some impact on quality of life after. It's geared towards that. We have one on diabetes, and we have one on, on asthma as well. In fact, Mount Sinai is, uh, all of these studies usually take a year plus historically to get any meaningful information, and we're seeing results in, uh, in weeks or months. The asthma study looks at triggers, it helps people manage their asthma, and it looks at triggers around the, um, around the nation. It's really funny, like exercise-induced asthma is one of the things that um, prompts asthma. They're, they're already seeing, the, the researchers are already seeing differences by state. In, in Texas, extreme heat is, precipitates asthma, not surprisingly. In New York, the number one trigger of asthma is anger, which is, uh, no, no kidding, no kidding from the results. And, and no, one, you know, no one would have known that. And uh, the way medical research has historically been done, it's been it's centered around the institution doing it because someone would have to go sign up with a study coordinator and, and if Stanford's doing it, you know, learn a little bit about the Bay Area around Stanford. Here, all Mount Sinai did was write an app, release it using research kit, and they're getting data across the country with, so it's really, really powerful. So one of the things we're doing at our conference this year with all the speakers is asking about diversity. Uh, because of the well-known uh, problem uh, of diversity in, in the technology uh, industry. You are the biggest technology company by, by, by several metrics. Right. Um, how are you doing on diversity in your, in your workforce? We're doing, we're doing well, but we can do a lot better. And we're continuing to push on, uh, look, we're, we're focused on diversity, not only on gender and sexual orientation. Uh, we also are very interested in diversity on thought, um, where it's the backgrounds people come from 
And so we view it very broadly. Uh, in my organization, in the, over the past three years of the core vice presidents that work for me, uh, about half of them are female. Um, I, we have a diverse workforce at Apple, but we need to do better in, in some categories, and we're actively trying to do that. It's a, it's a core focus of ours. And, it, and why do you think this has become viewed as a particular problem in the technology business, which is in many other ways quite forward-looking, and you know you think of it as the cutting edge of the economy, and yet there's so few women in senior positions, people of color, uh, gay, uh, gay employees. Um, what's the problem in tech? Yeah, I think uh, I think for some of the categories you mentioned uh, of people, I think the feeder system really needs to be improved. How many people go into the sciences and math from various groups, and um, that's part of it. And and I think part of it is a is a focus issue for companies, and we're focused on it. Okay. Has the smartphone begun to mature, plateau out? No way. No way. Well, it seems like everyone has one in the developed world, and in the and in the and in the emerging markets, uh, it's very stratified. People who happen to be in the wealthier part of those countries, even if the overall country is poor, uh, even they are. Are, are getting a lot of smartphones, and it, at some point it becomes like, I already have one, or I'm not gonna buy one every year. There's the, when you say no way, you're pretty emphatic. What? Oh, I, I just, uh, if you look at all the opportunities for the future on where technology can go and how much better, if, if the question is, will everybody have one, and that's your definition of tapped out, then, then at some point the answer to that's yes, but uh, on the question of will people buy new ones because the technology is better, that's where I'm emphatic that we're not tapped out. Give me one, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've been around long enough not to ask somebody from Apple to announce a new product, though I'd be delighted if you'd like to, um, before your WWDC uh, a week from Monday. But um, can you give me a hypothetical example, whether it's, let's say it doesn't even refer to the iPhone just a smartphone or the smartphone category. What, what a smartphone could do for me that would make people go out and buy another one? Um, all, the, all the items that come to mind or all the thoughts that come to mind or I'd pull an Osborne if I, if I mentioned them here on stage. Um, hypothetical, if it could scan your body, um, scan your body and do a full tricorder uh, I think people would buy it. How about that? Yeah. That's the best I got. Yeah. I, I, have you purchased the rights to the name Tricorder from no. Paramount Pictures? No, I haven't. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, that'd be a good one. Um, you already do some of that, a little bit of that with this, right? This has a we, we heart do, sensor. We and, do. It's got a heart sensor and uh, it's got activity tracking, which I actually think is the most significant health thing we can do. I, I'm convinced if doctors could write one prescription, it would be activity and move more, uh, and not just linked to weight loss or, uh, or your heart. Uh, studies are showing it's tied to all kinds of diseases. Oh, I want to 
Every day I want to close those rings. Good. And good. I'm That's not the goal. What you would call an athlete. Yeah, we need. We probably need to stand in a few minutes here. Yeah, that's the thing. Standard. Can you fix that friggin' thing where everyone stands at the same second? We love that. What, what's wrong with that? It's kind of it's kind of a salute. In it's a little unison. disruptive in a conference. You oh, know what come I mean? on, come on. We were. Uh, it's really nice. People are sitting here listening to us, and at ten minutes before the hour, the thing is going to. And you get the you get the little you did it when you're done to make you feel good, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Questions for Mr. Williams. Nobody has any interest in Apple, I know. Yes. Hi there. Um, quick question for you. We're um, kicking around the idea that as bandwidth continues to increase, um, the need for data, sorry, the need for gigabytes and for processing power on the phone could actually decline over time. You've been differentiating, as have many others, on more capacity, faster processors. Do you see, to Walt's point on the future of the phone, the paradigm starting to change as broadband becomes more ubiquitous to customers and the features of the phone start to differentiate in a, in, in a new way? You know, I thought, I remember having this discussion with the NAND suppliers three or four years ago and say the cloud's going to change it. We're never going to need more than eight gigabytes and 16 gigabytes in the future when you're planning your capacity. And I've been amazed at uh, people's ability to, to use things on the phone for processing and what goes with that. So I'm, I'm not sure where it's going, but I, I don't see the phones becoming dumb and, and all the activity beyond that. Yes. So the, the Apple Watch currently has some health-related uh, monitoring systems. I recently had a, a family member have a heart episode and monitored their heart episode live on the watch using the glance. Uh, one thing, I mean, it provided us with a chart of data that we could then give to, you know, healthcare professional and, and uh, evaluate it. Um, that, Seriously? Yeah, yeah, really. Really? Uh, up to, wow. you know, like 200 beats per minute was pretty serious. So we yeah. were able to track it and then see it come back down and then determined, okay, well, we don't need to go to the doctor now. We can go later. So it was addictive to me of a kind of a transparency uh, into our body functions that we didn't have before. Um, do you see the Apple Watch as sort of a Trojan horse for this kind of medical transparency? You're able to then over time give people this sort of x-ray, or is it more along the lines of, as you mentioned, this sort of just basic health thing where it's like, hey, get active, stand up, all that stuff? Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to talk specifically about where the watch is going to go. Uh, you know, we have a great interest in helping people. We, we view the fact that you wear this, we have an opportunity and maybe even a moral obligation to try to help people live a healthier life. And so to the extent that means we can add sensors over time that, that do even more to understand the human body, we will be excited about that. Great question, thanks. Yes. Hi, House of Contract News. I've been an Apple shareholder since 1997, so thank you. So you're rich. Thank you. I am. Is that your point? Um, <laughs> Want to brag? My, my, <laughs> he's, he's just bragging. Humble That's brag. Um, so my question is about revenue growth at Apple. You know, clearly, I think it's about 65% of revenue is coming from iPhone right now. That's not unlike what was going on with iPod back in the day. Um, my concern is the watch may not be the next 10, 20 billion dollar industry. And you guys have been buying back shares instead of acquiring companies. Uh, without talking about your next amazing product that's going to come out maybe this fall, 
Can you talk about industries that Apple is at least looking at uh, with your giant stack of money? I know the answer to that, but go ahead. What's the answer? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you can answer for me. No, I know what you're going to answer. That's what I meant. Television, television, video games, whatever, just something. Cars. Are you guys going to do something with the $100 billion? Or are you just going to keep buying back shares? Well, 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 the car is the ultimate mobile device, isn't it? So, um, uh, look, we, we explore all kinds of categories, and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll certainly continue to look at those and figure out which ones are ones where we think we can make a huge difference. Uh, we don't spend time worrying about the revenue growth. We don't, we don't pursue things to say, oh, we've got to deliver another X percent for the analyst on, I mean, we do have a responsibility to shareholders and we, we're very cognizant of that, but we just focus on making products that we're excited about and let the chips fall where they may. And uh, we're exploring a lot of interesting areas, but I don't really have any comments today on that. Thank you. But you did say something interesting. He did say the car is the ultimate mobile device. Well, I, I'm interested I in seeing um, Mary's up next. And Mary's, up, Mary's up next, but I mean, yeah. know, the car is the, okay. Just to, you're a mobile device company, right? We're a mobile device company, and, and that's why we have CarPlay to really help with that mobile <laughs> device. <laughs> okay, yeah. Hi, Jonathan Kaplan, and if I was to stack all my grilled cheese sandwiches, they would barely make it to the top of the Empire State Building, <laughs> <clears throat> but that's okay. My question's more around America and making America great, and I'm just curious about how the management team at Apple thinks about your responsibility for cutting-edge research and how that research can help um, us develop technologies that will advance us over other countries in the world. and since that's become more of a responsibility of companies versus the government, I just wonder if that comes up at all in any of your leadership team meetings versus how do I make the next great product? Well, it, well, well, it does from the standpoint of we, uh, you, know, you know, we're based here in the U.S. and we, we're growing our engineering strength uh, in the U.S. as well as other places. We do a lot of business. There's this, there's this perception that all of the manufacturing is in China because that's where the final assembly is done. But we work with over 8,000 suppliers in the United States. Um, and few people know that. We spend billions of dollars here developing technology. And uh, we are very, very proud of uh, the work we do in the U.S. and want to see it grow. And I appreciate your interest. Thank you. Okay, we, uh, I'm sorry, but we only have one more question, and it goes to John. Hey, Jeff. Uh, my question's about vertical integration. Uh, strikes me that the PA Semi acquisition from years back was really key to the development of the iPhone and iPad with the AX processors. Do you see more opportunities for vertical integration to improve your competitive advantage, um, do things in the supply chain along those lines, or have you sort of moved on from that? Oh, no, no, no. we have, I think we're incredibly vertically integrated. We, we continue to acquire companies frequently, and I know of no other company as vertically integrated. We design our own processor chips. We design every, every piece of what we do, even, even something that is a seemingly standard part on, uh, on our products is something that, like a, the screen for this watch, 
is something where our engineers work closely and develop the processes to do that. We write our own software. Uh, I know of no other company more vertically integrated in this space, and we continue to acquire. So it is absolutely part of our strategy. Okay. Jeff Williams, thank you. Thank you.